Thanks. Thanks, Jeanette. That was great just to, to read through that. Uh, it's a long passage, but just really hearing that story is really good. And see so your kids have fun, Rivers kids. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's great to be with you this morning. If I haven't met you before, my name's Tim, and um, we're going through a series at the moment uh, talking about our vision statement as a church. And we've had, we had a combined service a couple of weeks ago, and I did a bit of an overview. And then last week, we just talked about the first part, um, to see the kingdom of God realized and, and talked last week about um, God as king and, and Jesus as king and us living as his people. And this week we're going to focus on the second part, which is that we want to see his kingdom realized uh, by being a growing family, that, that God's kingdom sometimes can just be this ethereal principle or just this big idea, but actually God wants to work through a people. Um, so today we focus on this idea of family and um, of church as family, or kind of the, the, a, a biblical understanding of the church, um, which is why we read Acts 2, because it's really the birth of the church. And it's, it's interesting trying to do these messages, because uh, I talked to Haley the other day about this, and it's like, talk about the church in half an hour. It's like a whole theology semester subject or like a whole library of books on that. Like, okay, half an hour like, is, is, is crazy. Um, but this is kind of quite big picture, kind of broad. Um, what does it mean to, be, to see the kingdom of God realized by being a growing family? And um, we probably all have different experiences of family, different experiences of church, um, but there's something deep in everyone that, that wants relationship, that wants intimacy, that wants connection. Um, but at the same time, sometimes it's really difficult and doesn't really work. And sometimes we can even forsake or, or let go of community um, because it's just, it's just too hard. Uh, especially in our culture, which is quite individualistic, but the message often is just be true to yourself and, and be who you are and, and follow your own dream and, and go your own way. So if things don't really work out with family or with community or church, the thing to do is just, just put that behind you and just go and just do your own thing. And, and there is some good in that, in that we are individuals and we are unique and we are diverse and we're not all the same and we are different and, and we need to be who we are and not be somebody else. But sometimes if we go too far with that, we actually end up moving away from community, away from family, and, and maybe there's all these individuals that are together, but there's not really a sense of intimacy and connection. But maybe sometimes that happens, and then might we go, might go to the other extreme of thinking, well, no, well, we need community, we need family, we need, we need people, and actually just really, really focus on that. And it even can become... We're going to do this. We're going to build a family. We're going to build a church. We're going to build a community. It's, it's going to be really good. It's going to be really intimate. And we just think that we can really do it by ourselves if we work really hard, if we really try hard to love each other, if we really try hard to get along. And then sometimes that can even lead to, well, if there's lots of differences and diversity, they can kind of get squashed for the sake of the group. We just want to be together. And anything that threatens the group becomes a threat. And we kind of have unity over here and maybe diversity or individual over here, and actually it's really quite difficult to have a community that's diverse, but also united and intimate. It's actually quite difficult and often not really seen. Um, but this is, this is what God wants and is working towards. And um, what I want to do today is, is similar to last week, and basically do a big, broad overview of, of the story of the Bible um, through this lens of family and, and community and church. 
Um, and we're going to go pretty quick, and it's just kind of skimming the surface. But the idea is that, again, the church, the reason why we're here is actually because there's a story. And we read a key moment in that story in Acts chapter 2, but there's, there's a story that's even before that, and, and we're actually a part of that story. And, and if we want to follow God and, and see his kingdom come and live as his church, we need to understand our story. Because when we read the Bible, it's our story. The story's still going, and we're, we're a part of it. So what I'm going to do is go through this, and, and similar last week, it broke it up into three parts. This idea of a family is united, then scattered, and then reunited. And we're going to kind of skim through pretty, pretty quick. So I might pray, and then, then, we'll, then we'll go through. So Father, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for the gift of your spirit that we just read about. God, thank you for your church and for rivers and that you've placed us here together even today. And thank you that we're part of a large story, God, that's been going on since the beginning. And just pray that you'd speak to us today by your spirit, um, by your word. Um, unite us together more as your, your people um, and just give us your wisdom in that, Lord, as well. So just speak. Uh, we pray today in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so it's interesting to think about the story of, of uni- being united yet diverse, a family that's together, because it actually starts with God. We, we follow a God who's not just a force, who's not just an abstract idea, but a God who is within himself perfect relationship, that we, there's, there's one God, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and for eternity has been united as one in intimate love, yet three. And this is, God is this picture of unity in diversity, and he creates us in his image. We looked at this last week, um, but the God who, in a sense, is, uh, in a sense, I like a family, is united, his father and son and spirit, creates a family. He creates mankind in his image, male and female. God creates humans and they're diverse, there's differences, but they're to be united. You even see this at the end of Genesis 2. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There's this picture of unity in diversity, in marriage, in family, of intimacy, of no shame. And God's plan is that this God, who is perfect relationship, who is a community of love, shares that with his creation and creates a family that lives united with him and united with each other and intimate together. This is God's intention, that God, who is in perfect relationship with himself, creates a family to live in intimate relationship with him and each other. The story actually starts with a united yet diverse God creating a united yet diverse family in Eden. But we know the story goes pretty bad pretty quick. And we see straight away, when it goes wrong, what happens is division and, and, and a breakdown of intimacy and relationship. In Genesis 3, And the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Originally, they're so intimate and close and connected, no shame, 
no even self-consciousness. But as soon as they step out of this relationship of trust with God and take and seek to take control themselves, straight away there's there's division, there's shame, there's hiding, there's there's this breakdown of intimacy. And then this this family needs to leave this garden and then read through Genesis and again and again it's family breakdown. There's Cain and Abel, then it spreads to up to Noah and the flood, and there's just all this chaos and breakdown of relationships in, in the world. But it's interesting that then there's this moment though where humanity tries to assemble and actually be united again in Genesis 11. There's this story of the Tower of Babel. It says this in Genesis 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. It's interesting because God said to go forward and be fruitful and multiply over the whole earth. But then people get to a spot and they say, no, we're going we're gonna to stop here. We're going to settle. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. This is interesting because this is actually humans uniting, actually being together. But it's, it's for a purpose that is actually against God. They're united in, a, in an organized, structured way to achieve something, but it's not with God in intimacy and trust with him. It's actually united against him. And it's actually a picture of unity that's actually not good. Like being united just by itself is not necessarily good. It's what the purpose is and what it leads to. And God knows that actually this, this kind of community and this, this togetherness that actually is apart from him is not good. And it's not his plan for humanity. It's not his plan for the world. So we see in verse 5, it says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So humanity unite are together but opposed to God. And God comes in judgment but also in mercy because it's not good and, and scatters them, actually confuses the language and continues to scatter over the face of the earth. And we see this story of being scattered then. Humans rebel in the garden and then there's division, there's breakdown. And then even when they unite against God, they are scattered. And we see this again and again in the story of the Bible, this, this picture of being scattered. Even um, to do like a really quick summary of the rest of the Old Testament, uh, God comes and creates a family through Abraham. And his goal again is that his family will be united with him, will reflect him. We know the story. Eventually they, they forsake God. They don't trust him. They unite against him. And they also become scattered. They go into exile. They leave the land. So there's this... God who, who wants a, a creation that's united with him and with each other. And to unite without him is not good. So there's a scattering. Then we skip all the way up to the New Testament and we see like humans tried to ascend up to heaven 
to, to make a name, to join together. We see in the New Testament that Jesus comes to earth to make a way to enter again the family of God. It says this in John 1, talking of Jesus, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So Jesus comes, and he talks about God as his father. He comes as the son to call people back into relationship of trust and intimacy and being God's family, not through human effort, not through striving, but by his grace and by his spirit. And this is all because Jesus, so Jesus goes to the cross, like we read in, in, in Acts there in that story. He's, he's crucified. He, he rises from the dead. But before that, he promises to give his spirit. He says he's going to give his presence and his spirit. And he tells them to wait. And it's interesting because then we get to this story that, that Jeanette just read out before in Acts 2 about the day of Pentecost. And the church is waiting. Jesus has already made a way for them into the family, but they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, all of a sudden they can hear each other in each other's languages. There's all these different nations. It says there are Jews from every nation under heaven. But then they said, aren't all these speaking Galileans? Yet how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And it's this really interesting picture that because of Jesus and what he's done, but because of the Holy Spirit coming, that God actually reverses Babylon and the scattering, and God actually reunites a family by his Spirit. John Stott says it this way, Ever since the early church fathers, commentators have seen the blessing of Pentecost as a deliberate and dramatic reversal of the curse of Babylon. In Babylon, they were scattered because they united against God, and there's language and there's breakdown. Now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, God reverses the scattering and reunites a people of all different languages, all different tribes. Then further on in the book of Acts, even Gentiles and those who aren't Jews, all people. And there's this, this, this picture of the church that are reunited. Jesus' death, resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit leads to a diverse yet united family, reversing the curse of Babel. That it's actually God's power and God's strength that creates this kind of intimate family united with God and with each other. And then we see a picture of it. We read, Jeanette read this at the end. There's this picture of this community that's, that's intimate, that's close, that's centered on God. They sold their possessions to share with each other. They, they eat together. They live together. They're praising God. God is drawing people in. There's this, this energy, this momentum of life together and intimacy and closeness and family Again, throughout the New Testament, see descriptions. There's one description in Galatians. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Because of Jesus, we have God as our Father and we're in his family. For you're all baptized into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. And this community is, is a diverse community. That all, all these natural barriers, people who would be natural enemies, are now united. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. That's a big deal. Jews and Gentiles together in the New Testament is a big deal. Neither slave nor free, that's a big deal. People, slaves and free don't come together, but in Christ they do. There is, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's this picture of a united family by the Spirit because of Jesus' death and resurrection. So that's the story. 
starting with who God is and his intention, failing and being scattered, and now the church exists because of Jesus' death and resurrection, because of the gift of the Spirit, empowered by God, we're able to live in this family. And then that's, that, that's the story that we're in. But it's interesting because we hear that, and you might say, that sounds, that sounds really good, that sounds awesome, but then there's sort of dangers that we, in ways that we might still respond today to, to the church. And one is that we might actually say, well, that sounds really good. It sounds like this amazing community of love and intimacy and acceptance. But then we rock up to a church and find that actually it doesn't look like that at all. Find that actually we get hurt. Uh, find that actually we think it should be like this. It should be this community of love and intimacy. And we get frustrated or we get hurt. We get disappointed and disillusioned. Because we've got this ideal of what the church should be that we read in Scripture and we, we, we disappoint. And then that might even lead to actually saying, nah, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. A rejection of the church to go it alone, which is pretty common. We have this ideal, this, this picture, this is what it ought to be, that's frustrated, that's disappointed, and then, then we reject it. And it's interesting because we read those passages in Acts about this ideal of intimacy and love. Then if we keep reading a bit more on the New Testament, we realize that straight away there's a lot of problems. They have a whole lot of issues as well as we do. And there is these high points of this community of love, but there's also still human sin, there's still failure, there's still brokenness, and it's in the midst of that that the Holy Spirit's at work. It's interesting, Bonhoeffer... Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this really good book called Life Together. It's this small little book about, about community and, and church family. And in it, he talks about this and actually that it's pretty common to, to come to church and end up disappointed or to enter Christian fellowship and community and be somewhat disillusioned. And he actually says it's kind of a good thing because we kind of have an ideal and then we realize the reality. And, and actually facing reality is a good thing rather than sort of just having a dream. But he then says that actually the spiritual community is a reality. It's not an ideal. He says it this way, Christian brotherhood, or you could say Christian or church family, is not an ideal which we must realize. He means it's not like this is the picture of church and we just got to work really hard and get there. And if we don't get there, we're frustrated. He says, no, it's not an ideal we must realize. It's rather a reality created by God in Christ, which we may participate He's saying, it's not that we have to work hard to be this amazing loving community. It's that we are family because of the Spirit. It's a reality that we enter. It's not something that we create. Therefore, he talks about our response is gratitude for what God gives, even when it doesn't match up to what we'd like it to. He says it this way, if we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty. If, on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and riches which are there for us all in Jesus Christ. He says, actually, we just thank God for the church family that he's given us. We thank God for the fellowship that he's given us and we let that grow as we thank him, as we trust him, as we enter that reality. And we say, yeah, actually, it's not what it could be, but we thank God for what he gives us. There's this encouragement in the New Testament. You see even people who are leaving church because 
they don't want to keep going. And, and the writer to Hebrews has to say not to give up meeting together. Some people are giving up. Don't give up. Keep meeting together. Keep trusting God. Keep engaging with his family. Another response, though, if that one's disillusionment, another response might be to think, well, that sounds amazing. A family, a community, and actually then we place our security and our confidence in that, in the church. Maybe it actually goes well. Maybe we actually feel a sense of closeness and intimacy and connection and meaning and purpose and excitement in, in being a church. And actually we start to think, well, if we just get together, if we just work really hard, we can, we can do it. We can make a difference. We can do all these amazing things. And we actually start to put security and confidence in the human community, in just being together as a family. And this can then even lead to, in a sense, worship of the community, worship of the church family, that it actually becomes primary and God is kind of a means to that, rather than that being a means to God. Again, um, Bonhoeffer writes about this and the difference between human community, or you could say like earthly or human love, and spiritual community or heavenly or or God God, um, filled Holy Spirit love. He says this, human love makes itself an end in itself. It creates itself an end, an idol which it worships, in which it must subject everything. It nurses and cultivates an ideal. It loves itself and nothing else in the world. He's talking about love just based in a human sense of direct connection with each other and just direct uh, fellowship and relationship and love that it can become an end in itself, that we just have a community or have a family or have good relationships and it's about the desire for that. Whereas he says spiritual love, however, comes from Jesus Christ. It serves him alone. It knows that it has no immediate access to other persons. This is the idea that actually we love each other, not from a place of desire or need or just direct connection, but actually because of God and actually through God. It's actually a really different way to do relationships because normally one way we do relationships is if if we get along, if we're similar, if we've got things in common, we love each other. And if it's benefiting each other, we love each other. And if it starts to hurt me or it starts to hurt you or it's not very good, we kind of leave. Like That's pretty normal. But spiritual love, what he talks about is we love each other because God loves us. It's like God loves me and therefore I love you. It actually has nothing to do with you at all. It's the picture. We see this in 1 John. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, it doesn't start with one another. It starts with God. God, who is perfect love and relationship, loves us, and therefore we love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Bonhoeffer talks about this then, that this means we can love people who are different, we can love people who are enemies, because it's not based on them, it's based on God. And even in the church fellowship, we don't love each other directly, but even through Jesus. And even as we love each other, we're loving Jesus. Jesus just stays at the center of the community, the center of all the relationships. And we actually see, actually having no confidence in church family can lead to rejecting it through disappointment and disillusion. But then having all our confidence in church family can actually lead to obsession with church or or the community or the people 
which actually is out of order. It's a good thing, but it's not the primary thing. But actually, God is to be at the center, not the church. God first. God is actually the source of this spiritual family, not our own strength. We are a spiritual family who's focused on Jesus and grows together in love through his presence among us. It's not through hard work and just, just getting it together and just, just need to get more organized. No, those things are good, but it's through his presence. It's through Jesus at work in our hearts that actually when we focus on him, he grows us together. John Stott says this, At Babel, earth proudly tried to ascend to heaven, whereas in Jerusalem, heaven humbly descended to earth. And it's not that we have to work really hard and make a church amazing and, in a sense, act a bit like Babel in that we're going to ascend. It's like, no. Jesus has come to us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. We trust him. We surrender to him more and more. We ask for his presence and his power. And that's actually what shapes us and grows us. There's this verse in, in Colossians that talks about this. It talks about people who are kind of forsaking Jesus and just doing things in their own strength. And he says, they're not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. And we want to be a growing family. And that is a growth that comes from God as we center on him, as, as, as we, we individually love and exalt him like we did before and as we're singing, as in our relationships that he's at the center we actually notice we actually grow together, that we actually grow in love. We actually can be a place of welcome and acceptance and, and a place of his presence. Actually, he comes first and he brings the growth. And the two big things that as, as a church we see in the New Testament, we saw um, baptism in that passage in Acts, that when people come in, they believe in Jesus and then they're baptized. And it's almost like baptism is this, this symbol of entering that church family, a symbol of the faith and what's happened in us. It's also this public example of that actually we've been baptized into Christ. We have new life in him. And that's this life that's immersed in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this God of perfect relationship and love who wants unity with us. Because of Jesus, we can enter and live life with him, and therefore we can love each other. And then, as a community, we have baptism, and then we have communion. And each week, we, we take communion, and we remember that actually our unity with God and our unity with each other and this, this forgiveness and grace that we have is not because we worked hard at it. It's not because of us, ourselves. It's because of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's because of what he's done. And we come back again to this place of, of communing with his presence letting him change us and shape us and grow us together. So we're going to respond today by, by having communion. And this is a chance just to center on him, um, particularly just together as a community um, and in our week to recenter on, on Jesus. And maybe even as we do that, maybe there's, there's a need, maybe some of those ways that we can go wrong need to be, need to be shifted. Maybe there's even been a sense of, actually, I'm just going to go alone and I'm frustrated and disappointed and it's just too hard. And maybe there's a need to come back and say, well, actually, Jesus, you died for me and have placed me in a family and you love me, therefore I'm called to love each other. Or maybe there's a sense of maybe actually 
we've just put the church at the center and we've put the community at the center and we've kind of almost forgotten God. There's a need to come back and say, actually, well, no, this is about Him and we trust Him. And there, from that place, love each other with Him at the center. So I'm going to pray and then we'll take communion. If I could have some helpers who can um, help distribute in a minute, that'd be, that'd be really good. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, just thank you that, yeah, you're a God of perfect love, who even when we forsake you and forget you, even when humanity structures and a rebellion against you, you come in mercy and scatter, and then you come by your grace to reunite. Uh, thank you that you've just pulled us into your family, uh, just by your death and resurrection. And thank, thank you, Jesus, that we're part of this story, God, and, and this story that you are uniting all things in yourself, and we get to be a part of that. story of your presence coming and filling us and filling the whole earth, and we get to be a part of that. And just pray as we take um, this biscuit and juice, your body and your blood, uh, we just ask for your presence. Just ask Holy Spirit, you came in power at Pentecost. Just ask Holy Spirit that you would come among us this morning, I'd be aware of your presence. You fill us with your love, and that we can love you and love each other um, in greater measures, God. And just ask for growth in our family here, a growth that comes from you, Jesus, and being connected to you and trusting in you. And God, just a growth of just welcome and love and acceptance and strength and the diversity and the parts and everyone contributing. And just ask, yeah, your work and your kingdom um, come here, we pray. Uh, so we just lift ourselves and just lift this to you in, in your name, Jesus. Amen.